0: Good morning, church. I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be generally concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, Timothy's proven worth, how, as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church, good to have you with us. Rejoice in the Lord Always has been our current teaching series, working our way through Philippians, one of my favorite books in the Bible. And uh, we're talking about Joy in Sacrifice is the title of this weekend's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30 of chapter 2 is our text. That was what was just read. Let me ask you this question. Do you have any favorite movies? What are part of your top ten favorite movies? Let me tell you about one of mine. Mine is, uh, I've got a lot of top ten, more than probably the top ten, okay? That sounded weird, didn't it? But uh, one of my top ten is uh, Braveheart. I like Braveheart. Anybody Braveheart? You like that one? That's a good one, isn't it? And it's about William Wallace. Uh, played by Mel Gibson, rallies all of Scotland against their English oppressors. And what's interesting about the movie is that initially he's pretty passive about their oppression. And uh, until his wife's throat is cut and all hell breaks loose. And then that's when the movie really gets good. I mean, it gets gets crazy. So, So he comes back into this little town where there's this English fortress... And he it, it comes back into this riding a horse and his hands are out like he's going to surrender. <laughs> Don't be fooled because a, a soldier comes up to him and he takes something right out of his back there, I think it's a ball and chain or something, and knocks his full head off, okay? And so this movie is rated G for good. <laughs> that is good. Good. And it's just like, whoa, if that doesn't get your adrenaline pumping, nothing will, okay? And it's just like, yeah. And so he rallies uh, really all of Scotland. He leads Scotland. And uh, they do a number on the English. But later on in the movie, he is captured, is going to be tortured to death. I have to typically turn it off there at the very end. I don't, I don't want to watch that. But he's going to be tortured to death and, but, but the king of England's daughter-in-law has fallen in love with William and begs him to agree with the English, to just give in to them, admit they're right, and, uh, and you will live. But he refuses, and, and this is what he says in their conversation, every man dies, not every man really lives. It's a great statement. Everyone in here, everyone out there, tends to live life on one of three levels. This is on your notes I'm sure. The first level is survival. Just make it. Just get by. Oh my goodness, if I can just make it to the to the next paycheck or the next whatever raise or whatever it might be, it's just a, it's a life of survival. The next one would be the life of success. Make it big. Land the job. Get the money. Buy the house, whatever it might be. However you might define success. But the third level is the level that God invites us to live. It's a It's the level of of satisfaction in him and sacrifice, truly a life of significance, unlike we could ever experience. And in fact, deep soul satisfaction can only be found in Christ, which will lead to a life of sacrifice. Sacrifice is giving up something that you love for something that you love more. And Paul uses two men as examples of the kind of people who have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and are living lives of satisfaction and sacrifice. Verse 20, he says about Timothy, for I have no one like him... Verse 29, he talks about Epaphroditus. He says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. And so we're looking at here from this text, joy and sacrifice, but we're really looking at this big question, what kind of people does the gospel produce? What kind of people does the gospel produce? And so this is the kind of people that the gospel produces fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And for that, we have a 5G process here at Desert Breeze. In fact, if you are going to a church, you're trying to pick a church, and there's a number of questions you need to ask. What's their statement of faith? And then what's their... Structure. What kind of church government do they have? But the third question would be, what is their strategy? Are they really acting like a New Testament church? Are they helping people to be discipled and to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ? That's what Desert Breeze is all about. We're all about helping unchurched people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, there are some 200,000 unchurched people within a five-mile radius of this church that we want to reach out to and help them to discover the deep satisfaction that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And we do that through the 5G process. And you'll see on your notes... We wanna help them to become a genuine Christian. And with each of these, there's a commitment. and There's a deeper level of commitment with each one of these. So we want them to become genuine Christians and and a growing Christian and a giving Christian and a going Christian all for God's glory. All for God's glory. Our 5G process of helping people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That is what we have been about from day one for the last 29 years and it never gets old. It's, it's absolutely beautiful to see what God does best and that is to transform people's lives. I think I'm more excited about it today than I've ever been. And so that's what we're all about. Full devotion to Christ, 5G process, and these 5Gs are both implicit and explicit in the text. And so full devotion to Jesus Christ, five Gs will take you from futility. And by the way, a life of survival and success, however much success you might have, it's still a life of futility. Maybe you just haven't experienced enough success yet to see that it's truly a life of futility apart from God. But being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, 5G process, will take you from futility to fullness of life in Christ. John 10.10, it says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We see a lot of that all around us. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Now, what is that life that he's talking about, this fullness of life? Well, it's eternal life. But this eternal life, this fullness of life is both a a quantity of life and a quality of life. Quantity of life, yeah. When you die, you don't die if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus. You actually just go to sleep and wake up in the arms of your Savior. You're gonna live for all eternity. The Bible's really clear about that. That's that quantity of life. But there's a quality of life in Christ. That's part of the fullness of life that he came to give to us. And so the gospel gives us a meaning, hope, and happiness, a love, joy, and peace that all the success in this world cannot give you, and all the suffering in this world can never, ever, ever take it from you that's the fullness of life that he he came to bring to us and we're convinced here at desert breeze that fullness of life and full devotion to Jesus Christ are one in the same pursuit that as you as you begin to live out these 5g's of this full devotion to Christ oh my goodness you will experience more fullness of life beyond what you've ever experienced they're one in the same pursuit Now, as I stated with each of these G words, as we walk through this process of full devotion to Jesus Christ, uh, there's a commitment. And the reason why there's a commitment is because, you guys know this, we become what we are committed to. Every one of us are committed to something or someone. And so that shapes our life. We become what we're committed to. I had my brother-in-law a number of years ago, I was asking him, I was a little bit frustrated at the time, I was uh, in in a church setting, ministering to folks, and I said, why is it that people are so lazy when it comes to Bible study and prayer and even church attendance? They just have a casual, casual cavalier attitude. And my brother-in-law said it's because they don't value it. I go, no, 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 they, they value it. They told me they value that. They value Bible study, prayer, and, and church attendance. And he re- responded to me and said, no, <laughs> they don't value it. And then it dawned on me, bam, I realized, yep, they don't. They might say they value it, but they don't. Because what I've learned through the years is the things that you value, you prioritize. And the things you prioritize, you practice So if I were to follow you around, that would be a little creepy, wouldn't it? If I were to follow you around, I could identify what you value, what you've prioritized, and what you practice. I could look at your practices, your daily practices, and tell you what you've prioritized and what you ultimately value. And so this first G of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is that uh, the kind of people the gospel produces is genuine, genuine Christians, that's the first G, commitment to Christ and to a church family. This is all about fellowship, entering into fellowship with God and one another within a church uh, setting, a local church setting. Now, both Timothy and Epaphroditus are Christians committed to the local church family of Philippi, now, Timothy helped Paul and Silas plant the church in Philippi Acts 16, so we know that he's a Christian, and he's into local churches like Philippi, but also Epaphroditus verse 25. Notice that Paul calls him my brother, and now I grew up in the church, I don't hear it as much nowadays as I did back then, but everyone referred to one another as brother and sister. Oh, that's brother Davis. Or that's Sister Johnson. And so we would refer to each other because why, why would we do that? And, and there are those that are here will call me brother. I'll call them brother. And, and so why, do we, why would we do that? Because there is a bond in the Christian life by grace through faith in Christ that you are adopted into the family of God and we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So, so he's validating here that Epaphroditus is a brother, my brother, And as a member of the church in Philippi, he had brought their gift to Paul, got sick, nearly died, recovered, and was returning to Philippi with this letter to the church in Philippi that Paul is writing here. So what does it mean to become a genuine Christian? What does that mean? If you're a believer in Christ, you should know this like the back of your hand You ought to be able to walk people through this process, and that process begins at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you hear what it says? It says this, that you matter to God. The world matters to God. God loves the world and sent his son to die for the world. You and I, God is not willing that any should perish but all come to repentance. So not only do we matter to him, but listen to me, you will never be more loved. You've never been more loved than what you are loved by Jesus Christ. There's nothing like his love. There's no romance love, there's no parent love, there's no child love, there's no friend love that compares to the love our Savior has for us. It's out of this world. And that's where it begins, but there's a problem here. The problem is talked about there in Romans 3.23 where it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every one of us. The Bible has a way of leveling the playing field. <laughs> There's no higher moral ground for any of us. Before the cross, it's level. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? When we fail to see how desirable and satisfying God is. And in fact, we could take it a little bit further. What does that look like in our life? Romans 1.25, we exchange the truth of God for a lie... And we worship and serve created things more than the creator. We're all guilty of that. And then Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin, so this is what our sins have accomplished. The wages of sin is death. We're separated from God. We're out of relationship with God. But it doesn't stop there. It says, but the gift, the gift of God is eternal life, fullness of life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love that. And it even goes on in 5.8 of Romans. It says, and God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is amazing, absolutely amazing. And then it tells us in Romans 10.9 and 10 that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if maybe you've never come into a relationship with God. Let me help you with that even right now. You need to, first of all, it's kind of the ABCs I walk people through, acknowledge that your sin separates you from God. That's the A, acknowledge, recognize I'm separated from God because of my sin. Bible makes that very clear. B, believe that Christ died on the cross in your place for your sins. See, confess, confess him as Lord and Savior. You could do that just even through a prayer, giving your life to him, recognizing that, and responding to the message of the gospel. That's the process that we take, all of us have taken, in becoming fully devoted followers of, of Jesus Christ. Now, what, what happened to the first century church when there was this influx of people being born again and committing their lives to Christ and, and being saved? What was the first thing that they did once they committed their life to Christ, what did they do? Well, this is what it tells us in Acts 2, 41 and 47. Thousands had come to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of the preaching of the gospel. And it says in Acts 2, 41 and f- through 47, and they devoted themselves They were consistently diligent. They were committed to the apostles teaching scripture, preaching, Bible study, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They were committed to a local church family. See, that's a genuine Christian. Someone who's made a commitment to Christ and to a local church family. Now, let me just elaborate a little bit more on the, on the gospel here just so that you understand. The gospel isn't good advice about what you must do to be right with God. It is good news about what God has done to make us right with him. It's not something that you can achieve but it's certainly something you can receive by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you ever do a, a, a study of the world religions, this is the major difference that you will see between the world's major religions and Christianity. times people will say, Well, what's the difference? Aren't they just like all the other religions? No, 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 no. All of the other major cults and religions are you achieve a right standing with God, Christianity. You receive a right standing with God. It is a gift. That is amazing. That is out of this world. I've never been the same ever since I began to follow Christ and become fully devoted to him. And and so, the gospel is the good news that God has reconciled us to himself By sending his son to die in our place for our sins, and all who repent and believe in him have everlasting life. When you truly grasp the gospel in all of its beauty, glory, and richness, it will cause you to be stopped in your tracks, fall on your knees, and be lost in wonder, love, and praise to God. That would be the normal response Oh, my goodness. If the gospel isn't the most amazing message you've ever heard, then you haven't heard it. I pray that you do this morning and would get a hold of your heart. Believe me, you will never be the same. And so that's the first of a full devotion to Christ. It's a genuine Christian committed to, to Christ and to a local church family. Here's the next one. So if you're genuine... It's a natural progression. You're going to see that these are interrelated and also uh, progress. This is the next level as a growing Christian. That's the next G, a full devotion to Christ. This is commitment to spiritual disciplines. This is about discipleship. So the first one's about fellowship. This one's about discipleship. Timothy is being mentored by Paul involved in ministry. Look at verse 22 of our text. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. So how does mentoring happen here? We encourage mentoring. It can be one-on-one or it can be in a smaller group setting. But mentoring is really important. You have someone in your life that speaks into your life that holds you accountable. And that's what's happening with Timothy. That's why he's growing. There's character. In fact, it says in verse 20, for I have no one like him. What is he speaking of? He's speaking of character. Growth is about character, Christ-likeness. And in fact, first and second Timothy, the two books we studied at the very beginning of this year are, are really uh, Paul's letters to Timothy so that he will continue to grow and continue to be the young pastor that he needs to be. How about Epaphroditus? Do we see growing in him? Yeah, I believe that the congregation in Philippi wouldn't have sent him with resources to minister to the Apostle Paul if he had been an immature or lethargic believer. They would have never sent him. And in fact, see if you can get a sense of the the bondedness, the connectedness that should go on within a church fellowship that that is seen here with Epaphroditus. Verse 26, for he has been longing for you, for you all, and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Verse 27, indeed he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. You hear the deep connection between him and Paul and, and the church? And I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I, may, that I may be less anxious. But what's fascinating, as he says, indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow Verse 26, let me go back to that. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Epaphroditus, you're already under distress. No, no, no. He's more distressed because you heard that he was ill. Do you hear that? He's ill, about to die, and he's more distressed over the church in Philippi that they're distressed about his distress, okay? You get it? There's a bond there, There's a connection there. That's what it means to be connected at that much deeper level than just showing up here on weekend services. It's connecting at that much deeper level, and that's what's going on here. So what is a commitment to spiritual disciplines? So why don't you guys yell out to me some spiritual disciplines? What are spiritual disciplines anyway? Prayer? Bible study? Uh, Memorization. Meditation. Meditation. Yes, those things we do to increase our capacity to experience more of God in our lives. Part of that, so, so Bible, prayer, and community. We desperately need community in that. We need to have people in our life that love us, hold us accountable, cheer us on. They're in our corner. They help us to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Second... Peter 3.18, it says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what we should all be doing, that knowledge, that word for knowledge is intimacy. There's nothing like the intimacy that we have with Jesus Christ. It says, continue to grow in the grace and intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's increasing our capacity to experience the presence of God. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it says, train yourself for godliness, for physical training is of some value But training in godliness has value not only for this life but the life to come. Notice he uses the word training. He doesn't say try. Try hard to be godly. I mean, it would be a little bit like trying to, if you have not exercised a day in your life and you all of a sudden got inspired to go rim to rim of the Grand Canyon, guess what? You better have a helicopter on the speed dial, okay? like 911, because you're not gonna make it. And in fact, it, it, it may kill you. You're not gonna do it by trying. Now you m- may be able to do it by training. Same thing for running a marathon. If you've never exercised a day in your life and you all of a sudden say, I'm gonna try to run a marathon, woo It's not gonna happen. You'll probably kill yourself. But you can train. And the same thing goes for when we come together. You might walk out of here really inspired. I want to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. I want to experience his love, joy, and peace in my life. I'm going to try harder. It's not going to work. It takes time. It's training. It's doing the spiritual disciplines. It's diving into God's word every day and talking to God and sharing your heart to God and having him speak to you. It's hanging out with other Christians that stir that appetite for God up in you. Do you have people in your life and when you get around them, oh my goodness, your appetite for God just soars. Just you want to know the God that they know. Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 tells us why we need to have that deep bonded connectedness for spiritual growth. He says, take care brothers lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Did you know that you're gonna be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin if you don't have people around you exhorting you Every day, as it says here, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. He's talking to believers. An evil, unbelieving heart that you would fall away from the living God. Why? Because you're hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And what's the cure? But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. You need people in your life. As we've said many times before, Desert Breeze is a place where strangers become friends and friends become family. That's right. And, and we're convinced, too, one of our values is that life change happens best in small groups. And so a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ experiencing the fullness of life that only he can bring is a genuine Christian, someone who's committed to Christ and to a a local church family, is a growing Christian, committed to the disciplines necessary for spiritual growth. And here's the next G. The third G is a giving Christian. Commitment to using my time, talents, and treasure to build the church. This is ministry. So the first one's about fellowship. The second one is about discipleship. And this one is about ministry. Look, let me see if we can uh, find some evidence of this in Timothy and Epaphroditus. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by the news. Verse 20, for I have no one like him who will, genuinely con- who will be genuinely concerned for your well-being. So what is Ministry. Ministry is being genuinely concerned for the well being of the people of Desert Breeze. If this is your church home, you are genuinely concerned for the success of this church and the well being of the people that attend here. That's ministry. Verse 23. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Verse 24. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. What is he talking about there? Ministry. I'm sending him to minister to you. I'm going to be coming to minister to you. That's the, the third the third G. Genuine, growing giving. How about Ephaphroditus? Well, verse 25. Paul refers to him as my my fellow worker, my brother. So initially he calls him my brother, and now he calls him fellow worker. And then he goes on, he says, your messenger and minister to my need. That's a giving Christian. So what what does that mean, commitment to using my time, talents, and treasure to build the church? Well, Matthew 16, 13 through 19 Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Yes, yea God, yea Jesus. What are we sweating about? What are we afraid of? The gates of hell will not prevail. And so how does that happen? I believe the most important thing that God is up to on this planet Earth is that he is building his church and we have the privilege to participate with him. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. And in fact, this is what it looks like, 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace, multidimensional grace, Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. In fact, it even tells us in Ephesians 4 that it's it's building up the body of Christ. When you get involved in ministry, when you give of your time, your talent, your money you're building into the local church family so that we can be healthier and more fully devoted to Christ so that we can have a bigger impact in the community. In fact, I gave you all the different places there, the addresses in the New Testament where you're going to find all the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and then I read 1 Peter chapter 4, a couple of the verses there. And so here at Desert Breeze, we believe in the present ministry of the Holy Spirit, in the exercise, in the exercise of the biblical gifts of the Spirit, and you need to understand what gifts God has given you. We help you with that in our Game of Life class, kind of as you process that along with these other Gs, we help you to understand what that means to be fully devoted to Him. And ultimately, the Game of Life class is really just about helping you to find your deepest satisfaction in Him. As you begin to walk through these, this 5G process of full devotion to him, so what should be the motive for me giving, being a giving Christian? Second um, Corinthians, chapters eight and nine, I believe, are the best uh, two chapters. In the New Testament, possibly in the the whole Bible, about generosity and giving. And so Paul is is motivating the church there in Corinth to be like the churches in Macedonia who were helping people with their generosity and helping uh, them through their suffering. And here's how he motivates them. He motivates them with 2 Corinthians 8-9. I think it's a beautiful Definition of the grace of God. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for our sakes He became poor, so that through His poverty we might become rich. Do you have any idea how rich you are? So He's, he's just saying, Oh my goodness, if, if you come to terms with what you have in Christ, you're going to want to give. That's what we've seen right here at Desert Breeze. We've been going for 29 years. Next year will be our 30th year. We have never passed the plate. And God has blessed us because Desert Breeze is made up of people who are genuine, growing, giving Christians. It's a natural overflow of your life. If you're walking with God, living his word, if you're a genuine, growing Christian, you're going to be a giving Christian because you understand the gospel, the gospel has gotten a hold of your heart and you're not the same. And so he motivates him with that and then he goes on in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and he says this, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You notice how he uses the word abound a few times in that? What is the idea there? Well, if you look that up in the Greek, The definition there is like a river overflowing its banks. And so what he's saying here is that God's gonna pour so much grace into you that you're not gonna be a reservoir, you're gonna be like a river that is overflowing your banks in blessing to others. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That's our lives. As we are genuine and growing, we will be giving and it will overflow our lives like a river overflowing its banks. I love it. That's beautiful. That's what God has called us to. And so, genuine. What's the next one? Growing. Giving. The fourth one is going. Many of you knew that. Going. What is a going Christian? It's, it's someone that has made a commitment to sharing Jesus Christ to the world around. This is about evangelism. Look at Timothy, verse 22. C. He has served with me in the gospel. That's evangelism. He served with me in the gospel. Not just evangelism, the gospel is not uh, just about reaching seekers but building up believers as we've done here at Desert Breeze and as we continue to do that and so this goes back to the church planting of Paul, Timothy alongside of him. Acts 16, we see once again the church in Philippi being planted there. Well, how about Epaphroditus? Well, he refers to him, remember, he referred to him as my brother, my fellow worker. Now he refers to him as fellow soldier. What does a soldier do? Fight. And what is, what is Epaphroditus doing? He's joining with them in the fight to kick down the gates of hell and to proclaim the gospel and dispel the darkness that's in people's lives. That's what we've been called to do. That We come into people's lives and we proclaim to them the freedom that we have in Christ so that they can be set free. And that light of who Christ is dispels the darkness in their lives. It's presenting the gospel, preaching the gospel. And he goes on, verse 30, as it relates to Epaphroditus, for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me he was basically he was supporting through the church in Philippi Paul's evangelistic efforts so what does that mean commitment to sharing Jesus Christ to the world around well there are not just one nor are there two or three, or four, there are five great commissions in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. This is what he's saying. These were Jesus' last words, by the way. Go, 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 go into all the world and preach the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's called the great commission, If you've ever kind of wondered, what is life all about and why am I here and what's going on? You were called to have a relationship with God and let that overflow your life like a river overflowing its banks into other people's lives, presenting the gospel, sharing the gospel, living the gospel. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he's speaking of conversion. When someone's converted, they make that public through water baptism. And then teaching them everything that I've taught you. And, and, and then he promised this, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age, that I'll be with you as you do this. And that's, that's what he's called us to do. Now, now, what would be a good illustration of what that looks like? Well, I think the best illustration is the book of Acts, the whole book of Acts, but let me give you a, a couple of uh, verses here that would show you. In Acts 4.13, it's about Peter and John who are proclaiming the gospel, getting out on the streets and telling people about Jesus. And when the, when the Pharisees, when the religious leaders saw the boldness of Peter and John and knew that they were just ordinary guys that really didn't have much of an education they were unschooled according to the pharisees schools and and those religious schools they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and realized because of their boldness that they had been with Jesus they were boldly proclaiming the gospel and had a front row of watching people's lives be transformed. And so they brought Peter and John into this council and they threatened them and said, stop talking about Jesus. How do you think they responded? (laughs) This is good. This is what happened. Verse 20, Acts 4. That first verse was Acts 4.13. This verse is... Acts 420. This is what they said. Listen, listen. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You're telling us to shut up? We can't shut up. Our lives have been transformed. Are you kidding me? You're telling me to shut up? I can't shut up. My life has been overwhelmed by the beauty and the glory of who Jesus is and what he's done. My life is an overflow of what he's continuing to do in in me and through me. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I love the gospel. Oh, my goodness. My wife and I have had a front row seat to watch person after person, thousands and thousands of people here through Desert Breeze, ministry through 29 years of ministry come to faith in christ and become fully devoted followers of christ oh my goodness it's spectacular it's beautiful it's amazing i wouldn't trade it for anything it's way beyond what we we deserve or way beyond anything we've ever dreamed it's absolutely amazing and we're going to continue on okay we're not stopping here we're not stopping at 30 either this is what we've always been about and we will continue to be about this If you want to know what Desert Breeze is all about, you picked a good day to be here and and listen to us because this is what we are all about. This is who we are and what we aim to do. And in fact, once you've tasted a fellowship with God, you have to want everyone that you care about to experience it too. If you don't want others to know what you have in Christ, then what you have isn't very potent. I was talking to a missionary friend of mine a number of years ago, and he had become very sick and almost died preaching the gospel to the people in Bangladesh, India. And I, I was affirming him for his sacrifice and kind of applauding him. I said, man, that's an incredible sacrifice. And this is how he responded to me. He said to me, are you kidding? Are, are you kidding me? What I did is no sacrifice whatsoever. Compared to what Christ has done for me, this is a thimbleful. This is very little compared to what He's done for me and, and what I have in Him. And it is my pleasure. Remember what sacrifice is giving up something you love. He loved His life, He wanted to protect His life, He tried to preserve His life, but He didn't love His life as much as He loved presenting the gospel to people. In Bangladesh, India, do you see what the satisfaction in Christ brings? A sacrifice. Because you want them so desperately to experience what you have, what you're experiencing. And you'll sacrifice. You will risk your life. You will get, you'll, you'll give money, which could buy toys and all kinds of things. You'll give up things in your life so that you can help others so that others can be reached for all eternity he was willing to risk his life because it was more pleasurable to know that these folks that he's proclaiming the gospel to will be with him for all eternity and if it takes the sacrifice of my life I'm going to do that and that's nothing compared to what Christ has done for me going a going Christian so if you are genuine You're going to be growing, and if you're growing, you'll be giving, and if you're giving, you're going to be going, and we do all of this for the glory of God. Glorifying Christian, that's your last G. Commitment to living my life for the glory of God. This is worship. Let's look at Timothy. Do we see that in Timothy? Yeah, verse 21. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. So living for God's glory is not seeking your own interest, it's seeking His interest, you're seeking his interest so that you can minister to others. Look, look at Ephaphroditus verse 30a. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life. That's for the glory of God. There's a historic creed that I really like, and it asks this question, what is the chief end of man? Why are we here? Why do we exist? What's the purpose of life? And I like the answer. It says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But I I prefer to do it like this. Rather than putting the word and in there, I I like to put the word by. So the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. No, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Listen to me. The best way to live for God's glory is to find your deepest satisfaction in Him. Satisfaction, and that will lead to sacrifice. That's what we're all about every weekend, how we can join together and find our deepest satisfaction in Christ. There's nothing like it. And so, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory Of God. So um, when you leave here, and if you haven't had breakfast yet, then you're going to do maybe brunch, or maybe you're going to go out to lunch. So as you're eating maybe your favorite food and drinking your favorite beverage, don't let your praise and adoration and thanksgiving terminate on your food and beverage. Let it roll on up to the one where the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from. Let it roll on up and use it as a worship experience, giving glory to God. The next time you look at those big thunderheads in the sky, I love this time of the year when you see those thunderheads, we're just not getting enough of them right over us in my backyard to water my grass, okay? And so the next time you see those thunderheads, don't just go, whoa, look at that. Let it roll on up. To give honor and praise to the creator of all things. Live for his glory. Now, idolatry will keep you from living for God's glory. In Psalm 16, 4, it says, The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. This is one of the big things that interferes with us, truly being fully devoted followers of Christ, is, is that we tend to love anything more than we love God and so the solution to that is right there in, in Psalm 16 he says "He says uh, the sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods but he says in verse 8 I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand I shall not be shaken so he's, he's saying man I'm, I'm focused on God he's front and center in my life and I will not be shaken because of that because I'm living my life for God's glory regardless of what goes down in my life. And then he ends that that chapter by saying this, because he has showed me the path of life and in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's ours in Christ Jesus. That's how you give glory to him is by finding your deepest satisfaction in him. Jim Elliot, one of the five missionaries murdered while trying to evangelize a remote primitive tribe in Ecuador in 1956 said this: He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Here's my challenge. Are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Are you walking with him as a genuine Christian? Are you living his word as a growing Christian? Are you contributing to his work as a giving Christian? Are you making an impact in this world as a going Christian? And doing all four of those because your heart is ravished; it is smitten by the beauty and the glory of who Jesus is and what He's done for you. Because you find such satisfaction in Him. Desert Breeze Community Church is built with the underlying, with this underlying conviction: whatever the capacity for human sin and suffering, the church has a greater capacity through the gospel for healing and wholeness. Miserable Christians have nothing to offer a sinful and suffering world. He's called us to full devotion to himself and fullness of life in him, a satisfaction and a sacrifice unlike anything else. That's the life he's called us to. To being fully devoted followers living life to its fullest and if you are doing that you have something to offer the world so here's our strategy remember when you're checking out a church what's their statement of faith just because they have it on their website by the way you need to look to see if they're actually living that statement of faith out but then also their, uh, their structure. What's their government? But the third one is, what's their strategy? What is this church all about? Here's what we're all about. This is what we've always been all about. This is what we will continue to be about. We want to bring people in to becoming genuine Christians. We want to build them up to growing Christians, equip them for ministry as giving Christians, and then send them out as going Christians, all for the glory of of God. That's our strategy. Bring them in, build them up, equip them for ministry, send them back out, lit on fire for our Savior Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? So, Father God, there is no pleasure on earth that compares to knowing and experiencing your boundless and irresistible love demonstrated through the indispensable and costly death of Christ on the cross for our sins in our place. God, I pray this through this service, through this message, I pray that nominal or non-Christians would get saved. That even now, that they would acknowledge their sin that separates them from you, believe that Christ died on the cross for their sins and begin to confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and live their life for him. I pray that sleepy Christians would wake up and your church here at Desert Breeze and even throughout this city would be beautified as we become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ so that those folks that are hard to reach would be attracted to you through us. May we walk with you as genuine Christians May we live your word as growing Christians. May we contribute to your work as giving Christians and make an impact in this world as going Christians so that God is most glorified in us as we are most satisfied in him, in you. We pray these things in Jesus' beautiful and glorious name. And everyone said, amen. Love you guys. God bless you.